0: make this christmas memorable with goat guns get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection from historical classics to modern weapons we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast surprise your loved ones with the gift of goat guns the perfect blend of quality and detail shop now and spread the joy at goatguns.com welcome to the human capital innovations podcast Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast, I talk with Lorena Esposito about succeeding as a woman executive in a male-dominated industry. Esposito, Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to have a chance to have a conversation with you. Um, you have a really unique background, and today we're going to be f- focusing on your role at your company. Uh, I'll, I'll share your, your bio in just a moment, um, but you have a lot of executive experience, and so we're going to be exploring how to succeed as a woman as a female executive in a male-dominated industry, and in particular, the, um, the auto industry, um, where right. you reside. Um, as we get started, I'll just read uh, Lorena's bio for everyone. Lorena Esposito is the CEO of Espo Resto and the founder of Women in Porsche. Uh, Lorena has a background in the, fi- the fashion world as well as in musical performance living a jet-setting life and career in the high-end fashion industry prior to working with Porsche cars, and also spent six years as a professional singer on the Las Vegas Strip. About five years ago, she decided to return home to work with her dad and his business, Esploresto, choosing to leave behind the hectic life of retail management to apply her skills in business in a more personal way. Lorena's father is the renowned Porsche restoration expert, John Esposito, So despite a career that led elsewhere initially, she grew up learning all about automobiles and specifically everything Porsche. Early memories include riding in classic speedsters uh, for trips to Taco Bell while her dad told her all of the ins and outs, ups and downs about his amazing vehicle. In 2016, when she returned to work with her father, she found herself unexpectedly having to take over and run the restoration business on her own due to her father's sudden illness um, Marina is now the CEO of Espo Resto and has also started their organization Women in Porsche Inc., which has nearly 30 independent chapters nationwide and internationally. Women in Porsche seeks to serve the underrepresented community of women in the motorsport world, sharing the stories and connecting the women who love, work with, and or drive Porsches. Her quest in this endeavor has led to connections with men and women in the Porsche family worldwide and proudly has opened up doors for women to be more readily accepted and included in what is often seen as a male-only pastime. Lorena is currently working on restoring a 1968 912 Targa with one of her fellow women in Porsche members, as well as 1973 911T with her partner. When not working with Portia, she's likely at home with her dogs, baking or cooking, working on new production performance, uh, or spending time with her family. Uh, what an interesting and unique <laughs> background and life that you're living. It sounds like you're living your best life, doing what you love. Uh, that's awesome. So welcome to the podcast. And as before we really dive in to the discussion, uh, anything else you would like to share by way of personal background or context for listeners?
1: Um, you know, I mean it's it's just that everything, I believe everything leads to where you are, like the next thing and good, bad, ugly, anything in between. It's all part of your personal experience that helps you be better at the next thing that you encounter. Um, you know, I I definitely um, have always been somebody who strove to do the best that I could at whatever it was that came my way. So I, I was very young in leadership roles and very young in management roles. Um, so you know, I mean, I'm not even 40, and I'm I've had a very vivid background. So um, you know, I I just am somebody who believes that whatever it is that you set your mind to, you can accomplish. And I you know think that gives a lot of context to where I am today.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really great. Um, so a female executive, a CEO in, in the auto industry, in the, in the sports car world, um, tell me what that's been like as you've transitioned into that role uh, and how you navigate things.
1: Yeah, I think I naively thought that it would just be the same as it always had been for me, that I was going to, you know, be in a leadership role, be in a management role. People would just automatically respect me and my authority and my background Um, and, you know, that it would just be same role, different business again, you know, and I had done that. I had sort of a, a history of. Um, fixing, if you will, businesses where I would get hired by companies to come in and fix stores that weren't doing well or to fix, you know, districts that weren't doing well. Um, and that was sort from of my, my background. And so when I, I entered into the automotive world um, with my dad, I think that I expected a for the business to just go easily and be for people to just sort of go, oh, you're John's daughter. So therefore, you must know, too. And neither of those things <laughs> existed or happened. Um, I was incredibly fortunate prior to where I am today to be um, almost exempt from the the sort of misogynistic side of business um, and the the world that unfortunately so many women are privy to. Um, privy sounding positive, but you know are subjected to. I guess you know where they're they're not considered equals in the industry that they're in. Um, And I I think I just sort of assumed it didn't exist to the extent that people said that it did. Almost immediately, like literally within weeks of starting with my dad, I was getting um, comments about, you know, where's the man in charge or you must be the secretary or you must be, you know, just answering the phones and just sort of these assumptions that were fairly derogatory in nature. Um, You know, and it, it was difficult because, I wanted so badly for people to just to assume that I knew and, you know, to accept me for who I was. And, you know, I have this really extensive background, not just in the business world, but in cars. I grew up around them. I knew Portia. So I, I think that it was a really big eye opener, really big, you know, slap in the face of cold water, I guess. Um, And then when my dad got sick and I was sort of alone in this world, Um, it really forced me even more to have to toughen up and build a thick skin and, you know, sort of, sort of tackle the world, I guess. Um, While he was out, it's been interesting. While he was out, it was like sort of accepted that I was tough and they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. You're doing your job. You're, you're, you know, taking over your dad's business and he's sick and that's fine. And you should be tough and be, you know, be this really, you know, strong woman. And then now I'm facing the, the opposite where my dad's back and, you know, they're like, no, let him be the tough one. And you should be quiet and you should be, um, you know, uh, sorry, I did that. I don't know if that cut out, but you should be somebody who just sort of like, you know, sits pretty and, and is the nice one. So it's really been this interesting roller coaster for me um, in this world of ups and downs and backs and forth that um, has been incredibly challenging, but also really educating.
0: Well, I'm sorry that you've had to experience those things. Um, it kind of makes my my blood boil a bit, you know, as <laughs> I as I hear about those types of experiences. But unfortunately, like you said, um, it's it's. Un- you know, unfortunately not unique to you. It's, it's, it's no. the experience of so many women in the workplace. And I think uh, particularly when you find yourself in executive upper level leadership roles, uh, I think it's it's a heightened kind of experience um, to, to have that, to experience that m- misogyny and, and, and the, you know, just having to deal with the assumptions that people have, the types of stupid comments that people make. Even if we're not, and I don't know, you know, if you've experienced, um, you know, more direct harassment or or those sorts of things, but even leaving that aside, you know, it's just horrible to have to go to work every day and experience snide comments or you know insensitive types of remarks, um, dismissive looks, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just it's just so frustrating, Um, and and I suspect it's even you know, so it's 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 probably pretty horrible for most women in most jobs, they have to deal with the, that kind of stuff. Then you add on to that, what it's like to be a woman in, a, in an executive role and a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And then you add on top of that within a male dominated <laughs> industry. And I, I can imagine that sometimes you feel like you're beating your, health, your, your head against a brick wall, you know, just trying to like be treated like everyone yeah. else, just be treated yeah. fairly and equitably. Um, so how, yeah, how do you, there. How do there you deal are days.
1: Yeah, there are how days where I question that? my sanity, um, and then you know where I um, I go. Why am I here? Like, what what am I doing? Um, you know, to I'll, I'll answer your question to touch really quickly on the the previous. You know, I um, I was in Vegas doing the retail stuff and managing. You know high-end retail fashion where I would go from store to store to store and I was in, you know, dress and heels. And I always sort of got the catcalls or, you know, sort of like the sexual connotation that I think I just sort of chalked up to men being men in Vegas, you know. Um, And I, I almost accepted it because it just was normal. But I didn't sort of put the two together of that was just phase A of what I would be encountering in a more blatant way later. Um, you know, that that was just sort of like what they were willing to do from afar. And then when you encounter a male-dominated industry where men don't even think you belong, like they go, no, 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 you shouldn't even be here, um, that all of a sudden they're even more willing to say things that you can't believe would come out of their mouths. Um, I, I get through it because I am equally surrounded by men who support me. Um, I am very fortunate that all men are not this way that yes there are men out there who behave this way yes there are men out there who still believe that women don't know anything about cars or you know that daddy bought the car for me or you know whatever it might be um but there are also men out there who are incredibly compassionate kind and supportive who are willing to pick up and help carry the torch with me um every week on, on Wednesdays, we feature a different man with women in Portia who supports us because we want for there to be equality on both sides. Like we want to be included, but that means that we need to include men too. We can't exclude men by proxy. So we, you know, we sort of highlight and champion those men who help me get through it. Um, I have men who are partners and vendors. I have men who are, um, actual business partners. One of our co-founders is a man. Um, you know, so to have those people who believe in what we do is sort of how I get through it. And then equally, which is why I went looking for women originally, I was looking for people who experienced things like I did. And that's why we started women in Porsche. Um, I have found some of those women. I have amazing friends who are in um, equally male dominated industries and I found them because of women in Porsche. And so I have a support system and a network now that I can lean on that helps me kind of get through it. There's not a lot to combat it other than maybe a little bit of humor and education and knowledge. Um, You know, if a man comes in and he says, where's the man in charge? I just simply go, you're looking at him, you know, and I just sort of, clap back with a little bit of humor. And then I think also, uh, through education where we, you know, we post videos of us working on the cars, talking about the actual ins and outs of them. And I think that once other people start to go, Oh, they, they actually know what they're talking about that one day, hopefully I, um, women in Porsche won't be necessary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you, you take a really positive approach to a really difficult challenge. um, So I applaud you for that. Um, It's not, you know, I I see it. I, I, I see other women who have to experience it, but never having experienced it myself, you know, I, I can't fully understand um, how difficult that would be, but I can imagine that it would be something that I would, I would be very very um, frustrated with and I'm not sure I would deal with it as well as it sounds like you're dealing with it um, so so I, I applaud you for that um wh- what would you say to to other women um, who are you know they look to, to you and others uh, as examples you know as, as women who are successful or in executive roles who've made it work in, in amidst the misogyny in the in the male dominated male dominated um, industries, what would be your advice to them you know, to, in, in finding their, their leadership self and, 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 and pushing through the, the hard things to, to be able to move into those types of roles in their future?
1: There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you. Male, female, you know, I mean, especially in roles of leadership, you will always encounter somebody who doesn't like you. And if you allow for that to dictate whether or not you continue to move forward, um, then you're letting those people win, you know, and, uh, nine out of 10 times their dislike of you is rooted in their own insecurity or their own lack of knowledge or their own poor behavior. If you're a leader or a manager, um. You know, so it's not necessarily a genuine reason to sort of stop what you're doing. And I do find that women, being compassionate, being, you know, mama bears, being, um, you know, who we naturally are as nurturers, we have a tendency to, to want to pull back and want to stop what we're doing when people come forward because they don't like us because we think we're doing something wrong. Um, and you, you have to just sort of. Center yourself in the knowledge and the acceptance that the decisions that you're making are right, that they're true, um, and as long as you feel like you have integrity around what you're doing, then you need to continue to move forward confidently, um, because you can't let naysayers or let those who you know choose to be negative about your success be what dictates your future.
0: Yeah, I really like that, and you know, it's it's what I hope for for um, the women in my life. I have four daughters and, uh, the oldest is 16. The youngest is, uh, almost 11. Uh, and you know, I hope that as they get into their, you know, advanced schooling and as they move into the workforce, that the world will shift enough (laughs) in the interim that by the time they get there, that they won't have to deal with all of this, but that's probably completely naive of me to have that hope. Um, and so i think it's equally important to to prepare them with resilience and, and so so that they they can uh take take the challenges in stride and and ultimately be committed to just being their best selves regardless of what other people may say or what jerks may do
1: yeah i you know my dad was always really on me about being tough and you know part of me always thought that he was just like taking me out to you know, play sports or, you know, to go do driving or whatever, because he just kind of didn't know anything other than boy stuff. Um, I think that he sort of had this, this idea now that I've talked to him more and I know that he, he wanted to help toughen me up in a way that would prepare me for a future um, if I needed to be stronger. And I'm grateful for that. He's always been a champion for my strength and my knowledge, and my ability. He supports me. Um, he backs me. So, you know, if we do have difficult customers who, who say, you know, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to John because I don't like the answers I'm getting. He'll go, she's in charge. Sorry. Like if you don't like what she says, then, you know, I'm not going to change it. And that is wildly important to helping to change the dialogue and change the tone of what we're, we're facing. Um, I, I believe that we are moving in a, a very positive direction when it comes to acceptance of women in, in leadership and women in roles of of power. Um, you know, I, I don't think that we're as far behind as a lot of people like to say that we are. I don't um, personally align myself with as being a feminist because I don't believe in, like I said, separating yourself out. So I feel like we need to be more inclusive. And so I would hope like a future for your, for your girls means that we are including them in the conversation, that we are a part of things, that they are surrounded by strong men who want to empower them as well. And that they're surrounded by women who believe in acceptance and equality across the board. Um, because I think that that's really the only way for change.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Um, so in the last few minutes, I thought maybe we could talk briefly, about what you're seeing in your business and in your industry, you know, the, the response to COVID, how, how things are going the last six months plus, and then, you know, what, what do you think it will look like once we emerge from this? You
1: know, we have a lot of international clients, and so we we're almost fortunate that we saw it coming. Um, my my old business partner, who actually has moved on as a result of this whole thing, our business has completely shifted because of this. Um, he, at the time in January, it was like something's weird. He and I both would sit there and look at numbers and go, "We're not hearing from people that are international." Like we weren't hearing from people in Germany. We weren't hearing from people in Asia. We weren't. It was just really strange. And the press hadn't picked up on what was happening, despite the fact that it was already very much happening outside of, you know, the U S and, um, when it hit us in, you know, February, March, we at that point had not had payments from any of our international business uh, uh, partners and our business um, clients in months. They just went radio silent and, So as a result, then now all of a sudden the U.S. is doing the same thing. And so we went for a period of basically end of January all the way through almost June with zero new business and most of our clients going quiet. Um, They're all very – they're a level above us, right? They're all big business people who were very much either affected or were waiting in the wings. They were going, I just want to let this lie, see what happens, let it roll. Um, we have clients who actually said, I'm just waiting, give me a little bit of time. Let me see what happens. And if my business is affected, then I'll have to let you know, I need to pull the car or I can't start the project. But if it's not, I'll let you know. And then three, four months later, they would come back and they go, we're fine. So let's keep moving. Um, and that's really what I think is going to happen. I think that a lot of people, a lot of businesses are going to, um, you know, bigger businesses, the ones that survived this, they're going to go, okay we're okay, let's keep moving. And they're just going to keep rolling. We are unfortunately going to lose anybody who was really small. Um, But I also think that the resilience of the American people and of, of people around the world will allow for them to restart and to kind of get things going again. And I think that we will see a resurgence of small businesses sort of pick back up probably in 2021, 2022, when people sort of regain confidence to do it again. But um I think for right now, sadly, big business is gonna win.
0: I suspect that's right. And on the one side, you know, I I, I suppose it's healthy to, to to have these types of disruptions um push out weaker organizations
1: mm-hmm. in a
0: sense. Um uh, and so and I think ultimately what I hope will come from this for everyone, whether it's personal, you know, in our personal lives or as leaders in organizations that we can learn uh, how can, how we can respond to these types of adversities, how we can respond to these types of um, difficulties and leverage them because any, any type of um, challenge, whether it's a pandemic or, you know, whatever it may be, there's all sorts of things that can cause economic disruption to businesses We we need to learn how to pivot. We need to learn how to to springboard off them because the challenge. Even though there's a challenge, there's an opportunity um, amidst that challenge. And and I think this this is forcing people who are a bit complacent, perhaps, or you know, uh, happy to just keep doing things the same way, um, to realize that you know that's just not going to work. And and I think as we move into the future past COVID, uh, we just we have to be ready for further disruptions there, whether it's technological disruption or it's demographic disruption or it's geopolitical disruption, economic disruption, whatever. Um, it's, it's been a continue to happen. I,
1: you know, it was, it was really funny. Cause one of the things, I don't know if you want to call it funny, but you know, ironic. One of the things that I said at the beginning of this is we're going to survive this because we've already done it. Um, when my dad, you know, got sick and our business almost went under as a result, um, we fought so hard through that and we were able to pivot and figure out new ways of doing it. So when COVID hit us and it did, we had to get the PPV. We had to do a lot of things that a lot of these small businesses did to survive. Um, And sadly, the government has not done enough in any way, shape or form. I don't want to sound like it wasn't as bad as it could have been. It was bad. It it was really hard. But I truly believe that the only reason we survived it is because we had already survived. We had already made it through another experience. And as I'm seeing so many businesses shut down, I'm talking to other people who have done that. What I'm realizing is they were not prepared for something to go wrong. They didn't have backup plans. They didn't have people to come in and support them. They didn't have the credit to be able to get something else to happen. They weren't creative in having conversations with clients. They didn't trust their clients. Um, One of the things that I learned through phase a was I can call my clients and say, we're not okay. And be open with them. And be honest with them because they hold the key to our financial success. And when you allow human beings to step up and help one another and you give them an opportunity to step in and say, Oh, you need my help. Let me help you. They will. So, you know, that was, I think one of the biggest things I learned when I went through this the first time with my dad, that we need to trust people to be compassionate. And if you do that, you humble yourself, you ask for help you're going to find that your community will step up for you in a way that's bigger than you could have imagined.
0: Yeah. And that's a wonderful note, a very positive note to end on. Um, It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. The time has flown by. (laughs) Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your insights and your experiences and really your resilience and how you dealt with the challenges, uh, but also leverage them into opportunities. Um before we close, I just want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected and find out more about you. And perhaps, you know, if you have anything else um upcoming that you want to share, uh please share with us. Sure. Right.
1: Um yeah, I mean we have a couple of different platforms. Obviously there's Women in Portia, our website's womeninportia.org. Um, Women in Porsche is our handle on all of our social media platforms, whether it's um, Facebook or Instagram, et cetera. Um, the, the Porsche side of this is Espo Resto, um, and that is exactly as it sounds E S P O R E S T O. Same thing, same as social media platforms, and our website is Espo Resto as well. Um, would love people to you know, come and follow us and, and be a part of the conversation on Women in Porsche. Um, and, you know, continue to support women in, in an automotive industry that normally turns us down.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been really been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. I encourage listeners to, to reach out, get connected, have a conversation, check out your website. Um, and I hope everyone stays healthy and safe, that you can continue to find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.